everybody um, knows that on Thursday we have a national holiday. It's Thanksgiving Day, and uh, I think it became a holiday in the 1860s. It's, I mean, it had, there had been days of Thanksgiving declared, but a woman got this campaign going and newspapers and lobbying and all this stuff, and it was made a national holiday. And, and since that time, it's been part of Americana, you know, Norman Rockwell paintings, and uh, we have feelings, some people feel lonely, left out, and holidays are very painful, and other people look forward to it. It's interesting when, before we moved here, when we were in California, Ann and I, we had to do two Thanksgivings every year. We had to do uh, Christmas Eve with her family, Christmas morning with my family. We were the, the young family hauling our kids around to like eating two Thanksgiving dinners. Fortunately, I was young and skinny, so it didn't show, but the, uh, <laughs> it was crazy. And then we moved here. The first year or two was lonely. Uh, some people reached out to us. I think, did the hoardings invite us over for the first Thanksgiving? Thank you, Kim. Your, your parents uh, reached out to us. And, but after, after a year or two, we got used to it. It was our favorite, absolute favorite holiday of the year because there were, you know, gifts weren't an issue. And we just would spend this day cooking and eating and having fun. And we all looked forward to it. It was by far my most favorite holiday. You know how there's five love languages? Some of you may have heard this. Well, they're, they're all summed up in food, you know, so <laughs> good food, good cooking, acts of service, words of affirmation, touch, you know, just the whole, I don't know what the other ones are, but, the, but they're all there. And so that was our favorite holiday. And yet for, you know, many people, maybe holidays you don't look forward to. And I, I don't know what to say, you know, my heart breaks. I know in, you know, online or here, there are all ranges of contexts and experiences, how people feel this week going into it, whether you're thankful, whether you're like mourning, whether you're, uh, all of these things happen. And yet, we're, we're actually called to be a people who give thanks and so I don't want to talk about Thanksgiving, the holiday, even though it's significant. I want, but I do want to talk about Thanksgiving as gratitude and, and speaking and how we respond to situations. In fact, I, I put a title on this, the master key of Thanksgiving. And so I hope I can stir you up. And uh, because I'd like to give you a master key to access your promised land, you know, the things that are in your future. And it's just amazing that the fact that we would not know this. And maybe some of us do because of the way we're brought up. But uh, let, let me start here. So let's start with prayer. Jesus, help us. Come and help us. Come and reveal. Holy Spirit, come open our hearts and minds that the word of God would speak to us, that we would encounter something beyond just human words, that you would penetrate our heart, pray for hearts, that there would be healing and there would be repentance, there would be all manner of deliverance that would take place today. We thank you that your word is eternal in its life. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So I want to start with this that might be shocking, but um, you, there, people get robbed and they don't even know it, you know, right? Like if you've ever had a hacked bank account or anything like that, now it's like you could like lose everything and not even know it for a few days. Or, and, uh, and so if you knew that someone had stolen your identity, broken into all your accounts and replaced them with worthless counterfeits, what would you do? Like you'd probably spring into action like this is like, it can't get any worse. And, uh, and if you knew it robbed the future, future generations um, of the wealth that would have accumulated, what would you do? Would you, you know, would you do something about it? Well, first of all, before we understand if we've been robbed, we have to see what we have. And so um, Jesus gives us eternal life, but he doesn't just give us eternal life in heaven. He gives us abundant life on the earth. In John 10, he said, I am the door. And if anyone enters by me, he will be saved, set free, healed, delivered, and will go in and out and find pasture. And so saying prior to entering in through Jesus, we're, we're not saved, rescued, delivered, healed. We're, we're living in, in a, a life that's been reduced by sin. We're, the Bible says we're dead in trespasses and sins. We're still alive, but our heart, our spirit, our, all that we have is not alive. And then we go in through him and he offers us all this. Unfortunately, you could, you could totally know Jesus, but not realize everything he's given to us. So I wanna make this clear. Um, verse 10, there's, how, how is it that we don't have what God intends for us to have? It says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And the thief has no creative capacity. He can only kill, steal, destroy. He's called the destroyer. He's the thief. And when he's caught, he has to pay back. And, and, but Jesus said, I came that they may have life, and that's God quality life, that's eternal life, that's unlimited life and have it abundantly. In other words, in overflow. And that, the word translated abundantly there, it, it means to overflow, but it also it talks about a quality that's exceptional, more than expected, outstanding, remarkable, unusual, that causes a distinct advantage. So. This is what he said, I came that you might have life and that you might have this exceptional overflowing life. And so I'd, I'd, it's both a challenge to me and a challenge to you, like is our life exceptional? You know, is my life exceptional? And we may be very humble and say, all that I have is because of the grace of God, but because of the grace of God, all that you have is exceptional. It's not ordinary, it's not it's not less than, it's actually more than would have been expected if, if we're obtaining abundant life. Sometimes things are offered to us, but we don't obtain it. You know, we, we, we look at it, we appreciate it, but we don't make it our own. And so this is what faith does. Faith, when we, faith really op is because of being in love. When we're in love with Jesus, when we're in love with God, we're in love with the people around us. And in that love, faith 
comes to such a level of trust that the things that are just hoped for, envisioned as possibilities become our own possession. And we obtain it by faith before we obtain it in this realm. And many things we obtain by faith we won't see until we pass out of this life into eternal life. And it's just like there's no end to it. There's no end to it. And so whatever you were told about your life, whatever just cut you down to, well, you'll never amount to much. Like In my family, my older brother was a high performer. He was a straight A student. He was real smart in math and science. He was, then on top of that, he was handsome and he was athletic and he didn't like me very much. (laughs) My mom used to say he would have been a perfect only child. I came along three, almost four years after he did, you know, so he was like this blonde-haired, toe-haired, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, little handsome boy, and, and I love him. I loved him. I had the privilege of leading him to the Lord before he, before he left, before he died uh, too young, but he didn't, he actually didn't obtain all that he could have because, I mean, until the last few months of his life, he had lived in rebellion to God's calling on his life. You, I mean, it was obvious. And I was in rebellion toward God's calling on my life until I was 21, Jesus came to me. But then when I met Jesus, I was all in. You know, he, he was all mine, I'm all his. And so where my brother would just think I would never amount to anything. I was a goof off, I was a rebel. Uh, you know, and all of these things, and then, but what God does when he meets us, and what he makes available to us is called abundant life. And you might not think that you're doing all that you could do, or, but I'm telling you, whatever you're doing now is, is more exceptional than would have been if you hadn't known the grace of God. But the question is, have, you know, are we accessing all the benefits of abundant life. I mean, this is like, so, okay, you've been robbed. Maybe you didn't know you were robbed, but if you're not living an abundant, exceptional life, there's a degree of robbery going on. Maybe it's just parasitic, you know, just like you're, you're toned down 60% of what you could have been, 70%. What, could we say don't settle for that? Because, you know, it, it, this is called being lazy. Like, oh, it's good enough. Ah, you know, I just like, what if we redeem the time knowing the days are evil? And that even in this dark world, we shine, we were like lights shining with exceptional access to the fullness of, that God has for us. Okay, now, so second point, this is all pretty elementary. You were created to, for a good life. And even if your life is marked with suffering, when, you, there's a, when we're in him, what looks like suffering to the world around us be, becomes a place of rich intimacy that no one else can access. <laughs> oh, I, I'm telling you, there's something for each of us here. But so God created everything as good. All of creation is waiting to deliver the good. The first, I mean, the universe was created by God speaking. And, and uh, the rabbis would teach that the whole universe was created 
with 10 omers. Omer is the word for, it, for a, a spoken utterance. And so six times in, uh, not six times, 10 times in, in Genesis chapter one are, is this Hebrew phrase, vayomer Elohim, and God said. And whatever he said, he saw, because what he said became. Now, if humans were made in the image and likeness of God, is it possible that what we say determines what we will see? I, I mean, say, I'm gonna make this creature in my image and likeness, and among all the creatures, only the human will have the capacity for rational thought and speech. And that what comes out of their mouth is what they will see. Like, you know, and I'm not trying to be metaphysical here, like I could, but I'm saying, because when you are now living in abundant life, when you're not in abundant life, all of this is hampered and restrained. When you come to faith and you begin to say the things that God says, say the things that he's on your mind, then this stuff will become in reality. And I, I wanna show you how practical this is. We could say this building, or, or this part of the building that we're in, was built, I believe, in 2003. We had moved into the, is this at the right number, John? Okay, good. See. Even though I'm, my years are adding up, my brain is still working. Okay, so sometimes, <laughs> so, most of the time. Anyway, so we moved into this building, but we didn't have a big room to meet in, and so after a while we realized that if we don't build something, it, you know, people are gonna get tired of coming into this strange building, going downstairs in this room, and some people in the theater, and, and so we could feel it, and so we began to say, we need to build something. And one day, I, I, I remember Heidi Baker had been here, and uh, I think maybe we hosted the first Global Voice of the Apostles conference ever and, uh, in, in our little building. And there are 1,700 people crammed all through all different rooms. And we had video production going so we could do And then we had ministry teams in every room. And it was wild and holy and glorious. And when, when everyone left, I got up on a Sunday morning and said, we need to build something so we can all be together. And, and when I said it, I hadn't talked to anybody. And some people were like, why is he saying that? You know, and some people say, did you talk to the, you know? And, and so I thought, well, no, but it just came out of my mouth. So as soon as I got home, I called everybody. I said, what did you think? They said, that was God. That was God. That was God. And in addition, that morning, there was a man here who we didn't know yet named Denny Fraker who had, he said, I have a ministry. It's building church buildings and saving them a lot of money. And so he, he said, are you serious? I said, yeah. But see, if, if I didn't say it, this wouldn't be here. But it wasn't just that word, it was all the other words like, how big do you want it? What size is it? How much can we go? And so there was a lot of speech that went into making the plans. And then there had to be the, the construction companies hiring a guy, calling somebody up and saying, hey, we need a crane. Can you get a crane out here on this day? We ordered steel from Georgia. We didn't have the money for it, but we ordered it anyway. Had to be paid when the truck got there. 
But we ordered it because this is a funny story. Before we started, we, we thought we were smart. We met with the bank. We said, hey, would you loan us? I forget what it was, but it was enough to build this part. Would you loan this to us? Because we want to build. And they said, yeah, we will. They said, when do, you, when do you need it? We said, right away. And when they, even though they, our, our banker, who we still love, and we still do, they're spirit-filled Christian guys. They were driving back to the bank and they were laughing. They said, oh, they're not gonna get that thing started. It's gonna take them forever to get the permits and blah, 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 blah. So we have spent all our money. We've got, a, we've got compacted dirt here, which by the way, came from Hershey Med Center. It's, that's why there's healing here, not because, anyway. We, anyway, God did all these things. It was a rainy summer, we got it under roof. and but we didn't have it under roof at this point. We just have dirt and we spent all our money and we've got the walls up and the, the steel is on the way from Georgia. And we said, hey, you know, it's sort of weird we never got a checkbook from the bank yet. Even though they t told us we borrowed this money. So we called them up and said, where's the checkbook? They go, what are you talking about? I said, well, you said we had the loan, no problem. They said, yeah, well, we didn't think you need it. When do you need it? We said, we need it on Thursday. They're like, what? Because <laughs> then there's some huge penalty. You get trucks full of steel sitting here and you're gonna pay like a few thousand dollars a day while they sit there. And so he said, well, I'll call the loan committee. And we got the loan overnight and, and they brought the, the thing. And when they came to deliver it, they looked and they saw it. They said, you guys really believed us, didn't you? Yes. But anyway, so there were a lot of words that went into bringing this, and it's true with every one of you in your family, in your business. It, I mean, if you have a family, you had to at least speak some words or you wouldn't have a family. You know, if, if you're wearing clothing, somebody spoke words and said, hey, let's make a jacket, let's make some pants, let's make a dress, let's make. So it's just, it's human nature. It's the image of God. So why am I saying all this? Because there are things that are waiting in our lives until we speak them and start the ball in motion. And usually it's more intentional than when I stood up and said, we need to build something. But you know what? It was the Holy Spirit because there was a roar that went on, I don't know, for like two or four minutes. It was like supernatural. Like everybody's going, yeah. And there was more noise there than there were people. And it was kind of awesome, scary, until on the way afterwards when people said, did you get permission to say that? And I went, I'm not sure. Anyway, <laughs> but so it's not only directly divinely inspired speech, but just in everyday life, you speech. You go to a restaurant. If you think you're gonna sit at a table and they'll bring you what you want without saying anything, you're mistaken. Unless you go to a place where you punch in the, the menu, but somebody had to figure that system out. You know, but you basically have to tell people what you want, and then you get it. So could it be that our lives, sometimes we're not declaring and saying and decreeing what we want? And we don't always get what we want. But if you never speak, it's guaranteed you will never get what you want. So there's a war going on here. And so, but everything God said, he saw, and it was good, it was good, it was good. And then when, after he made humans in his own likeness and image, and he sees everything on the sixth day, he said, it's very good. It exceeds 
what I intended. You could argue that. I don't know if it's possible for God to exceed what he intends. But tov, good, in Hebrew, means that's, that is, it couldn't be any better. That's what it means. You know, it's, it's like this very powerful word. So when you say boker tov, good, good day, good morning, you're saying it's not, it, you couldn't be any better <laughs> in Hebrew. But then the last is described as very good, meod tov, and it means it exceeds whatever tov meant. And so you in creation made it meod tov, very good. And, but then we have this problem that the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. There was the fall, there was sin, there's pain, suffering, death, released in the world. It was hijacked, and it was never intended, but the enemy took it over, and now it lies under the sway of the evil one, 1 John chapter 5, verse 18, and, but it's, it doesn't belong to him. It's just under his dominion until the Lord saves you and we come, when we come to him in faith, we become a new creation and we were formerly darkness and we become light. Why is it important that we become light? This is Ephesians chapter five, verse eight. It says, we, at one time we were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So I'm in the Lord and I'm light because light is the beginning of creation. See, God took out of all of the darkness in the universe when he saved your soul and you came to him and it cost him a lot of money to do it. Not money, it cost him everything. It cost him the death of Jesus on the cross. It wasn't like God was just, ah, oh, he's such a good old guy. He said, oh, I forgive you, no worries. No, it's like sin causes pain, death, destruction. It's brutal. It was never intended. And so to to re to end that legal claim, God became man in Jesus. Jesus died on the cross. He suffered and died so that we could be forgiven. And so it comes to us as a gift, but it wasn't a gift. It cost all that heaven had to save us. Isn't that, I mean, it's pretty stunning. So now we've got this amazing gift that we can, by faith, we can say, Jesus, I'm all yours. I believe what you did for me, even though I don't appreciate it fully. I can't comprehend it. It'll take me all eternity to know what you did. But the reality is, once you receive him, he comes into you. Whether you know what it is or not, you become light. You become a new creation. Suddenly, there's grace operating in you. Suddenly, you have your vocabulary changes. Suddenly, you're appetites change. And there's a fight that goes on as, as initially for that. But it's like amazing that now you're light and out of light, everything else was created. I mean, just in physics, you know, solid matter is congealed light. E equals MC squared. Okay, so God has a plan for you. The plan is shalom. I know the thoughts I have for you. They're thoughts of peace, of shalom, and not evil, to give you a future and hope. So everyone here, no matter how bad we feel today, the reality is that his thoughts toward us are thoughts of shalom, which shalom is a lot like good. Shalom is the conditions of Edens. The, 
this Hebrew word for, for peace means it's complete, uninjured, there's nothing missing, nothing broken, and it's on friendly terms. You know, whereas evil, this, this Hebrew word ra, it means inferior, reduced, less than. And so God, all of God's thoughts toward you and are plans, and his plans are the fullness of your potential. So God, I just thank you. This would make you happy that no matter, like you can't be a failure. You can be a failure by staying where you are. But if you feel like a failure, then you can take that to God and say, God, I want to access the fullness of your purpose for my life. It's in him that we have peace. It's not on my own. It's not like I wanted to do this. I wanted to do that. You know, I wanted, when I was 18 or 19, I wanted to move to British Columbia and homestead, you know, a thousand acres out in the forests of British Columbia. Thank God I didn't do that, you know. I'd be some old hippie up there, you know, who knows what I'd be doing. But God, you know, so he doesn't like give us whatever we want, but he gives us what he wants for us, which is perfect and it's good and it's acceptable. And there's a reason for everything in our life. And when, anyway, thus his, his plans are peace. His plans are shalom, to, you know, to prosper you and not to harm you. Now, do we get harmed in this world? Yes, because we're in this world. And the world is under the sway of the evil one. So there's a warfare going on trying to put out your light. And there's something so powerful when we experience stuff that's ugly and terrible and painful when we respond with worship, when we respond with praise. Anne showed me this at some time. Our dear friend, Benny Johnson, is now with Jesus. And there was a, a little Instagram that Anne saw of, of Bill and Benny in their living room. She, I mean, she had lost all her hair. She was very close to leaving this world. And Bill, who had preached for years about being in a cancer-free zone, and you know, and how many know a battle doesn't invalidate a message, you know, like what? So he's there and he's got his arm around Benny, you can barely recognize her, and his, and his hands in the air, he's worshiping God in the midst of all his pain. How many of you know that just destroys strongholds and principalities and powers? And Because if the devil could win, here's what his winning would make you bitter and giving up and discouraged. And you know, we go through discouragement, that's why we have the Holy Spirit who gives us encouragement. So in this world, I continually need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. So now you know why the world's a mess, even though you're the light of the world. <laughs> and, and it's like why our response must be a response that goes to truth and a response that speaks life and peace and, and hope and because we are in him. We're in him. You know, in this world... We have tribulation. Uh, Jesus said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And he gives us his peace. 
He gives us his shalom. So it's a supernatural gift we get from him. It's not like now everything in my life is perfect. No, it's still a mess. But it's like inside I have this sense of well-being. 1969, May 1969, my freshman year at UC Berkeley had been all riots. Riots in the fall, riots in the winter, People's Park riot in the spring. The, the, you know, the streets where I lived had concertina barbed wire down the middle of the street. There were half-track troop carriers parked in the parking garage across the street from my dormitory. You know, and it's like, it's insane. Tear gas, been tear gassed multiple times. Friends of mine have been shot with bird, with bird shot. And, and one friend of mine who was legally blind, I mean, he could see, but he couldn't see good enough to, to drive a car or anything, was shot with double-lot buckshot through, through his leg. He fortunately didn't hit the bone. And, and so this is my life, and I hear, the word on the street is on Memorial Day, there's gonna be this huge confrontation. So I hitchhike up to the Sierra Nevadas mountains, and I have this bright idea that I'm gonna hike through the high Sierra wilderness at about 60 miles, and then I'm gonna hitchhike down the next highway north of Highway 120 that goes through Tuolumne Meadows in Yosemite and surprise my parents. You know, when you're 19, your brain is not fully developed. It's like, <laughs> oh no, I won't tell my parents where I are. What happened to him? I don't know, he disappeared. You know, I told my friends, oh, I'm gonna hitchhike to Yosemite, I'm gonna hike through, uh, you know, from Tuolumne Meadows over through this emigrant wilderness barrier, and then I'm gonna surprise my parents. Oh, good idea, because when you're 19, your friends' brains aren't fully developed. So on the way there, a guy picks me up hitchhiking who gets, and we get in a car wreck going up this grade, old priest, new priest grade. And, uh, and it's a head-on collision, boom. And I hit the dashboard of the car. And, and fortunately, that car saved this lady from going off the cliff. She was driving this great big Oldsmobile, Olds 88 or something, and the brakes failed. She's going downhill and she would have gone off the cliff, but she hit our car instead, saved her life, hallelujah. But the guy driving my car told me, he was a nice guy, I said, hey, what do you do? He says, I'm a chemist. I said, oh, what do you make? He said, LSD. And I said, oh, I said, Where, why are you going to Yosemite? He says, oh, I'm gonna meet this guy. I've got like, that. I don't know how many hits of LSD he had in his car, thousands. So I'm thinking, okay, I've got long hair, and I'm in this car with thousands of doses of LSD, that's just been in a wreck. And when the highway patrol gets here, this was before cell phones, you know, so it took a while. I, probably they're gonna ask me what I'm doing. So I just started walking up the road because I just wanted to go up in the wilderness and hike, you know. So I hitchhike the rest of the way. I get there and I've, I broke a rib and I'm in pain and I think, okay, I can't hike 60 miles. Probably would have drowned anyway from all this melting snow. But that night, God encountered me for about three hours. I didn't know it was God, but it was like the universe, the size of the earth, all my problems were small. I could see all the way across California, see the fog on the coastline, could see the lights light up when it got dark, saw all the stars come out because I'm at almost 9,000 feet above sea level, it's crystal clear. And I just realized all those riots don't mean anything. Somebody made all this, and it's gonna be okay. Now, I didn't know Jesus, I didn't know his name, I was, 
I, you, I could say I was an anti-Christian at that point because I was, had my own Eastern religious views. But you know, God was, that was the beginning of him bringing salvation into my life. Just saying. And so, okay, wrap it up here. So no matter what situation you're, we're in, even if you've been tear gassed, you're in riots, and you have a broken rib, and you're up in the top of the mountains with a bad plan, God has something better planned for you. <laughs> even if you don't know his name, he's still working to bring about his plan. And so how, for, I mean, if you're here, you know who Jesus is, you know, you know all this. So how do, you, how do you get into your promised land? You know, that was the beginning of my accessing the, the future of my life and all eternity. And so is there an entry point? Yes, there is. It's really simple. Uh, Psalm 100, verse 4. You know this verse. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. Jesus said, I'm the door. How do you get through the door? See, because once you go in, you've got unlimited access. And it says, Psalm 100, verse four, we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. How do we enter? We enter his gates with? So when you say thank you, you mean the gate swings open? That's what I'm saying. When you say, thank you, Jesus. Now, you may just say it, not even think about it because it becomes part of your language. But I'm telling you, every time you say thank you, there's like this little, I mean, even on a physiological basis, when we say thank you, we're acknowledging good around us and it releases this little chemical burst in our frontal vortex and in it frontal cortex. I don't know if anybody's there. I don't know what a vortex is, but okay. <laughs> Frontal cortex, and it develops this part of your brain called the joy center, which I think must be where love and faith abide. You know, it's just my thought. Anyway, so when you say thank you, it not only makes you happy, but God hears it as faith, and the gates swing open. And, and then we come into his courts and we begin to celebrate him and, you know, praise him with, with you know, when you're praising, it's very interesting. In Hebrew, thanks, the word is todah, and praise, one of the common words used is yada. They're, they're related in language. They're, re, they're like two forms of the same word. But when we praise uh, it also has this idea, we're shooting arrows out into the future. You know, we're just, so we're thanking God for what he's done in the past. We're praising him for who he is and what he's going to do. For the Lord is good, no matter how rotten my situation is, how painful it is, and his mercy, his steadfast love is eternal and endures forever. And his faithfulness is for every generation. So you're living in the right generation. So a gate takes you into a different realm. It takes you into a different jurisdiction. You know, if you're trying to get into a country, you can't just get in, although in our country recently, it, they tore down the gate, you know, which is really bad. But anyway, but normally when you get to a border, you have to go through passport control 
and they wanna know who you are and what you're doing there before they open the gate into their country. And so it's the same, like if you wanna access the potential and the promises that are there for your life, God's plans for you are all peace. They're all shalom, but you don't, you, we don't access them until we say thank you, or some equivalent thereof. You know, and so when I, I acknowledge that God is good and that his mercy endures forever, and here's the thing, we get bugged because sometimes, like there are scriptures that are really hard to live with in the New Testament. First Thessalonians 5, 16, rejoice always. Ha <laughs> ha. 17, pray without ceasing. Yeah, you have to pray in a different way than you're thinking to do that. And 18, give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God. And if that's not impossible, Ephesians 5.18 says something that's very possible and it's kind of apropos since Thursday is Thanksgiving. Do not get drunk with wine. Just don't. Do it, period. Okay, don't get drunk with wine and we're in dissipation, et cetera. And then, it, but instead, be filled with the Spirit. So, you know, the, can you imagine God of the universe, the Spirit who hovered over the darkness, comes and fills you? And it's like, this is a choice. It's a choice to get drunk with wine, it's a choice to be filled with the Spirit. So can you imagine this? And this won't cost you a hangover the next day, it won't. And it won't cost you any money because Jesus paid the price. So you get down, you say, Holy Spirit, fill me. I do this every day. I say, Holy Spirit, fill me. I think I need to do it like every 10 minutes because I leak bad sometimes. And, but do you understand, when you, you cry, Holy Spirit, you know why he comes? Because you're his temple. You're just, you're just, you know, so be filled with, okay, I haven't gotten to the hard part yet. Verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you think like, no way. I am not gonna thank God for that. That was bad, that was evil, that was terrible, but here's what we don't know. Remember, thanks and praise are two forms of the same word in Hebrew. Toda is thank you, yada is praise, or forms, forms of those words. So when he's saying, give thanks for everything, in his Hebrew mind, he's saying, I am gonna praise God no matter what happens. He's not saying, oh, thank you, I want more. He's saying, God, I don't care what happens. You're king of the universe. You're Lord of creation. You're the savior of my soul. You've come into me. You've changed everything. And I will not stop praising you. I will sing in the jail at midnight. I will be like Daniel when the law gets passed against me that if I pray, I'm gonna be fed to the lions. So I go home, I open the windows, I get on my knees and I say, Thank you, God, I love you. See, I mean, he's not saying thank you like you're stupid, like, oh yeah, hey, thank you, hit me again. (laughs) Run over me a second time. No, you're saying, God, in the midst of all this pain, dysfunction, disappointment, toxicity, 
horrible stuff. I will praise you. I will give you glory. I think if we understand that, then we can go, oh, okay, uh, giving thanks always for everything to God, the Father. You know what it is? It's, a, it's an act of defiance toward the darkness. It's saying, well, you may look like you're winning, but you're not. Your days are numbered, and the King of kings and the Lord of lords is in me. And the life that's in me is eternal, and you can kill my body, but you can't kill this life, and you can't stop this message, and you can't, you can't keep Jesus from coming back and claiming every square foot of this earth as his own, because he said, as truly as I live, all the earth will be filled with my glory. Shakaba. That's what I'm saying. Okay. So, um, oh, good, you're here. Everybody else, you can stand up. I'm just saying, like, if we understand this, this might help us be light in the darkness when we go. And some of us have awesome, wonderful Holy Spirit families. And when you get together, it's like heaven. And it's just, it's great. We're looking forward to our Thanksgiving. You know, unless something really crazy happens, it's, it'll be awesome. But I know some people, it's like, do you know who I'm gonna be having Thanksgiving with? <laughs> Uncle Harry's gonna get drunk and then he's gonna start picking on Susie and then she's gonna react and by the whole thing, people are gonna be throwing food at each other before we're done. And I'm saying, no, you will go there and you'll be light. You'll be peace, you'll be, that you'll be carrying the presence of God with you. Don't get trapped or caught up in it, just say, God, you're good. <laughs> I, I'm trying to paint a really bad picture, but you know, the, anyway, you have this power in you. And the same brilliant God who made all creation to praise him is now in you. And I'm telling you, when you're there and when you, you just stay in that place, I'm gonna give thanks. I mean, I'm probably not gonna say, thank you for this chaos right now, but inside you're saying, God, you're good. You're good. Your mercy endures forever. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. <laughs> Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Do you understand? We're just, he forgives my sins. He heals my diseases. He loads me with benefits. He bears my burden. Oh, thank you. Do you get it? Okay, so that's all I'm saying. Just, so I just, Holy Spirit, would you come on us and empower us and equip us to shine like lights in the midst of darkness, chaos, disappointment, worry. God, we pray we would be the antidote to toxicity, that it would just come out of us the same way you disarmed those who disputed you, God, that you would give us clever words, words that are unexpected, that just turn the course. God, we just pray there would be salvations, there would be healings, there would be deliverances around Thanksgiving tables. There would be lives that are changed, God. We just pray there would be a, a release of your Holy Spirit during these months of 
November, December, January, these darker months of the year, God, that there would be an outpouring of your spirit, that we would be empowered, that we would sense your presence. You feel how accessible his presence is to you. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're the light of the world. You have the gospel of the glorious God inside you. God, we just thank you for opportunities to share your goodness. Jesus' name. So I figured this is good practice. John's gonna lead us in, in some really good redeemed confession here. <laughs> the sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul.
That'll work. <laughs> That'll work. In the middle of the night, I wake up and I, I've been following Jesus for 50 years, so I'm pretty sanctified. In the middle of the night, I wake up, I'm usually saying thank you. Usually my last words, going to bed, thank you. My first words waking up, at least one of the first few words I speak is usually just thank you, God, thank you for today. So I'm good in the morning and the evening, all my challenges in between those. And I, I would like it to be that that would always be what's coming from my mouth, that I could finally obey that scripture in everything at all times, saying thank you. So I just want to bless you. You're going to carry the light. I know there's, there's grace and presence up here. There's healing. There's deliverance. There's salvation. Be a ministry team. If you don't leave here, if you're feeling the tug of the Holy Spirit on your life, if you're not right with God, don't leave here not right with God. But come and pray and get right with God. He wants to set you free. Rest you, the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine on you every day this week. That he'd be gracious to you, that you know he's hearing your prayers. His face is toward you. He's waiting for you to speak. And then his shalom is on you. In his holy name of Jesus, amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great Thanksgiving holiday and a great week. Amen. <laughs>